Hello, everybody, and welcome back to DDK Pod, the podcast where three guys who founded an IT company talk IT industry news and topics that interest us. My name is Julian Day, and with me, as always, are my two co-hosts, Jatinda Candola and Will Dalton. How are you doing, guys? Good, thank you. Very good, thanks. Good. How are you, Julian? I'm all right. Yeah, yeah, muddling along. Enjoying the Winter Olympics at the moment. <laughs> I didn't even know they were on. Uh, which are on at the time of recording. No oh, you're the one watching it. Well done. Yeah, yes. Okay, so first of all, come on, Team GB, but also... Come on, people, watch more. Where is it? How many medals we got? Answer <laughs> <laughs> both questions at the same time. China to none. <laughs> so, so it's in China and we've won nothing uh, so far at the time of recording. But we're about so halfway through. Go GB. But typically we only win like one or two medals per year. But for me, it's kind of... Is that why it's not in the media? Because we've not won anything. Yeah, probably. If you're not interested in it, if you don't go and seek it out. For me, it's kind of like Nirvana because I, I get to watch all these sports that I absolutely love. <laughs> on the TV once every four years and then they all just disappear again, like ice hockey and snowboarding and skiing and stuff. is just amazing. Anywho, that's not the news. I'm all right. Let's do the news. Um, so first of all, I will start with just a quick message about a very important thing that's going on in our country at the moment, which is will shortly be going on so sort of around the time that this episode is published, at least, which is British Science Week. So British Science Week is an event that happens every year. There's one for 2022, which is going to be all around the theme of growth. So growth within within science, within the various different disciplines, everything from population growth, urban development, the implications for science, that human growth, generally growth, you know, uh, biological sciences in terms of uh, growth of plants and, and, you know, all the genome sequencing stuff that goes with that. It's, it's super interesting. Virus. Yeah. Yeah. The growth and proliferation of viruses. I'm sure that's a popular one. <laughs> There you go. There you go. You got there. I did hear you. I'm just <laughs> rambling. Early years, uh, <laughs> primary schools, secondary schools, etc. There are activity packs that are released online in the lead up to British Science Week uh, for those different age categories, which is really, really cool. And DDK are actually running a little project with a local school on one of those for the in the zero to five year old category. So uh, hopefully some stuff going up on the website soon about that as well. It's a really important thing. Go have a squeeze at the website and get involved because um, we should be encouraging everybody to have more appreciation for science, but particularly our next scientists. Yeah, well, particularly the next generation. Mm. You know, it is it is mega important that we we all take part in that and and awesome. Yeah. And they're offering some really good stuff like the the naught to five one is like a poster competition where you can get different classes to do posters and stuff it's just really good stuff you know to get kids interested in science but it's not just a kid themed thing there's also plenty of stuff for adults so check it out british science week 2022 which is coming in march i think of this year will did you want to go next with your new story yes so mine's from the bbc spotify spotify removes neil young after he calls for joe rogan to go <laughs> um, <laughs> so the article mm. is pretty self-explanatory but what it did made me think was what all the fuss was about because you know everyone gets quite emotional about things these days so i went and listened to the podcast that was mentioned in the article first of all it's a very wow. long three hours yeah, it makes it, crazy. Three hour podcast? it makes us look succinct doesn't it it's like a bollywood <laughs> film I thought we went on a bit <laughs> but with less dance numbers and singing um, i <laughs> yeah, maybe they should have been. I listened. I could do an hour. That's about an hour of my life I dedicated yeah. to listening to this. So it touches on a lot of things. There's a, a Dr. Robert Malone, infectious disease specialist, is the guy that mm. Joe Rogan is interviewing. He's a kind of new shock jock kind of. Hey, person, Dr. Robert right? Malone. <laughs> Dr. Robert Malone. <laughs> uh, Joe Rogan. Yeah, no, I, I knew. Joe what you Rogan. Mean. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't want to discredit. <laughs> Dr. Robert Malone, more than he's done to himself already. (laughs) 
Anyway, this guy's been deplatformed from Twitter, which is a thing, a discussion mm. point in itself. And I think maybe we should touch on that. It, you know, the, the deplatforming. He's been labelled an anti-vaxxer, even though actually he's had all the vaccine doses. So I'm not sure if those two correlate. He was involved in in some form in the initial mRNA vaccine research and development. Probably not to the level that he hmm. says he was, but he is a science and he speaks science. He is a science, <laughs> a scientist. <laughs> he is a scientist yeah. and, he's, and he speaks science to other scientists. So, you know, you listen to him and you think, okay, this guy probably knows what he's talking about. He touches on interesting things and he touches on loads of bollocks. <laughs> um, so interesting things he talks about is mm. free speech. Interesting things he talks about is the relationship between government and massive multi-billion pound American pharma companies. Let's not kid ourselves about mm. what their agenda is. Things he talks about is the COVID drug that he was involved in, that, that Trump and Bolsonaro, the Brazilian president, you know, touted and they swore by and let's, you know, they're, they're not really well known for their truth sayers and other stuff. You know, he, he talked about hospitals being financially incentivized to claim COVID-19 was on patients' death certificates, things like that. So it, 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 it ranges from, you know, the utter crap, which has subsequently been discredited to actually mm. interesting subjects around propaganda and free speech and all the it's rest of anti-vax, you know. Being labelled an anti-vaxxer, yeah. you know, somehow then discredits you yeah. from ever speaking again. Is that yeah. right? It's, anyway, it's an, inter an interesting... It's fascinating that Joe Rogan's podcast was the vehicle that he chose to... <laughs> or maybe he didn't choose. Maybe that was the only platform he was offered. Mm. But it's interesting, isn't it, that that of all places would be where all those kinds of things would come up. But yeah, in interesting. I can now understand why it was three hours long, because that's quite a lot to cover, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. not all the bollocks. So, but the actual news story is that some some folks have asked now to be. I think Joni Mitchell and Neil Neil Young, is it, uh, and maybe some other artists have asked to be removed from Spotify. Is I that think right? it's only those two for now. I'm not sure, but yes, ultimately they said. So they've mm. made a stand. They said, yeah, remove remove our music library from Spotify unless you get rid of Joe Rogan. That multi multi million pound investment that you've just <laughs> you've just done yeah they're probably uh, on a hiding to nothing there i think there's a reason that katie perry hasn't joined so. them <laughs> cool okay good story thanks for that jatinder did you want to finish off with yep. your one so my story is about apple air tags so apple air tags allow you to track devices so it could be anything they're, they're little tags to put on kind of things that you might want to kind of check where that you place them and if, in case you've lost them but the new story is that a lot of people have been misusing them and using air tags to track where people are going and behaving like stalkers. So Apple. <laughs> right. Great. Exactly. That's what we need. <laughs> My God. So Apple have started to introduce some uh, changes that will allow them to make it harder for these air tags to be misused and to help prevent stalking. So people can just put one in a car and then track where somebody has taken their car. So maybe if you're in a strange relationship and you don't trust your partner, I'm not, I shouldn't really be advertising how to use, misuse that Apple tag. How to misuse yeah. them, yeah. They're starting off by sending out messages to people on their phone. You have to download a certain app and it will tell you that there is a unwanted tracking alert moving in the same direction as you. If you're suspicious that yeah, somebody's tried to put an air tag in your pocket or something like that, but they are going to 
do a few other things to try and kind of make it harder for these to be misused, such as notifications to the people that are sending them out, telling them about the law and reminding them that um, that kind of misuse is illegal. So that's the new story is that Apple are starting to, to do something to prevent the misuse of uh, air tags, but it's a hard thing for them to do because the whole purpose of using an air tag is to find out when you've lost something. Wow. Okay. Lost your, <laughs> lost your stalker. <laughs> So, so this this whole alert thing. So it's gonna is it, are they gonna you know ping somebody who's not even on an Apple phone to say somebody might have put your put an AirTag in your so pocket, mate, type of thing. Is if that... you've downloaded this app, <laughs> I mean, what? That's a good question. How does it work? Very good How question. How does it work? I bet it's I bet it's Apple only. Yeah, probably. If you've yeah. downloaded an Apple uh, <laughs> this specific app, if you're an iPhone or Android user, you can download the app and you will then receive this. There is a tracking device following you or, or moving in your direction. Oh, so Apple have put out a separate app Correct. that anyone can download Correct. that will scan the, the local area for AirTags that have been dropped in your pocket. Or... <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Because hmm. there's a topic there in there about the someone kind of, you know, I suppose, in an innocent way, putting out a product that's quite useful, yeah. but is so open to misuse, isn't mm-hmm. there? And, and privacy violation and stuff there. Maybe we should think about doing that for a future episode. Anyway, that is not what this episode's <laughs> about. Let's not get into that now. <clears throat> what is it about? So, so do you? Yeah, uh, high performance computing. So today we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. Don't worry, it's not gonna get super mega nerdy but it is quite a cool topic this one it's quite interesting well you know you might but whatever high performance computing is becoming more and more of a thing at the moment it's definitely growing in terms of its presence and we just thought we'd cover it off so that we can give our our overall thoughts about it i think will you're going to take us through what it is and some of why we should care and then me and jake are going to fill in around that so do you want to take it away with giving us a a definition of what it is and a bit of the history and stuff cut me off when i get too too (laughs) techy (laughs) as i'm sure you will So the hidden infrastructure... No, stop, stop, that's too techy. No, I'm joking. (laughs) God, we're not going to get far. (laughs) Hidden infrastructure that powers future discovery. So high-performance computing, HPC, really is, is the grunt, the computing grunt behind the processing of vast amounts of data that underpins some really interesting developments around. Some specific examples are genome sequencing, so figuring out your DNA, I think 23andMe was an app that I promoted hmm. a while back where you can send, you can send <laughs> off your spit, <laughs> get, back your, get back your genome sequence. Protein folding, good because it um, contributes to answering diseases, although I have no idea what it is. If anyone wants to have a crack at explaining <laughs> protein well, folding, I, now, now is your opportunity. Remind me to come back to that, because I did have a question about how that actually is high-performance computing, but we that, that that's more about the architecture, so carry on. Jesus. Right, okay, okay. I'll, I, I might not answer that question. JK, that's what you. <laughs> Life sciences, so, you know, is, which covers all the things, everything, everything to do with science, zoology, mm. biology, genetics. All of this is driving towards personalized medicine, which I think is, well, it's not me thinking, <laughs> I think it's industry thinking, is seen as the future of medicine. Why HPC, high-performance computing, is needed over, say, a supercomputer or traditional computers, servers, you know, be it in a data center or from a cloud vendor or even a mainframe, which which has had a role, has or had, I don't know whether it's past tense or not with mainframes, in processing data. So can fast. I ask a question? 
is high performance computing different to supercomputing and quantum computing? Yes. Well, <laughs> that's very a very good, good question. question. <laughs> I'll say yes. That is a very good question. I'd say yes and no. So I say I'd say no. It's not different because high performance computing is 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 computing grunt and that comp- as well as other things, right? So it's computing grunt coupled with software, coupled with specialized hardware, specialized okay. algorithms, right? Um, so it's all of those things combined. And quantum computing is a way of delivering computing grunt, if you see okay. what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So it's a new way of process. It's a new way. It's a hmm. new type of computer. Yeah. So instead of like the normal ones and zeros and bits, yeah, of yeah. the computers that we have now, it's a way of you know you're in <laughs> you're in the weird world of mm. subatomic yeah. particles, but you're still it's still about processing data okay. really. Yeah, quickly. I think Will's kind of hit the hit the nail on the head. I mean, I guess I, my stab at it would be, I mean, a supercomputer is basically just a big box somewhere which has got flashing lights on it and has you know everything within that one sort of enclosure and is capable of doing these amazing bits of compute, but it's all kind of self-contained into one unit or one item. And high-performance computing, as Will said, is a, a mixture of lots of different items. So it might have that big box, but it's also got other bits yeah. to it, which might be more distributed and, and bringing in stuff from other places and more algorithmic. And quantum computing is potentially something that will allow for a massively increased throughput of data, mm. but it would only be one building block within the high-performance computing kind of infrastructure. It would be something that would do some of that processing, but it isn't the whole Thing. So it's more, I guess, more of a replacement for a supercomputer, a quantum computer, but it's not quite the same thing as high-performance computing. Cool. Yeah, you could have, you could have mm, both, yeah. right? So you could have high-performance computing and you could have quantum computing yeah. within, okay. within that. Uh, the, I mean, the supercomputer is an interesting one, right? So a supercomputer, powerful and expensive system at a given time. Yeah, there's a, right? there's a definition of super, isn't there, that it, 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 10 years ago it was yeah, very it, different. Well, exactly. <laughs> Not so super anymore. So a 10 million pound supercomputer once upon a time mm. is now the phone okay. in your pocket, right? Now, a few years back, or many years back, that would be a supercomputer. A high-performance computer is like the, the most recent supercomputer that's mm. always kept up to date. In terms of its computing grunt, yeah. So it's like the difference between a games console, which has hardware within it, at the at the time it was made, and I'm sure at the time a games console was made, it was the latest, fastest hardware. But as soon as that games console shipped, it's already out of date compared to, if you like. A PC. This might not be a great analogy, but with a PC, you can continually update it, yeah, to be the latest, to have the latest stuff within it. And a kind of a high-performance computer, in terms of the computing element of high-performance computer, the grunt is is rather like that. It's always the <clears throat> latest supercomputer. It's a bit like the difference between your your old style buy Microsoft Office and then Office three six five type stuff, isn't it? So it's kind of like. You used to buy a thing and it yeah, was exactly, just static. Yeah. You know, you would buy a license to a particular version. It was 2019 or something and you would get whatever you got within that. You'd get a few patches on top, but basically it was always going to stay the same. But now you buy a license for the product and that product might evolve through many, many iterations while you own that license and you're always on the latest version. And HPC brings that with it, whereas previously you'd sink $10 million into a 
supercomputer. And as Will said, you know, in 10 years time, that would basically be a ludicrously expensive and power hungry paperweight and you'd need to shift onto something else, Mm. you know. But both supercomputers and high performance computing are used to do different things to games consoles or desktop PCs or phones or whatever. The architecture isn't the same. They're designed to deal with massive amounts of data Mm. very, very, very efficiently in a way that even though the phone is more powerful than a supercomputer, it still couldn't do what the supercomputer of the 80s could do because the architecture is different. They're designed to do different things, essentially. Sure. So th- th- there, is still a, there is still a point to the definition of high-performance compute and supercomputing, uh, even now, even though we've eclipsed yeah. what those, those things could do in terms of pure grunt, I suppose. Cool. So you might be going on to this, I guess, but where are they used then, just to help with that definition? Well, Will alluded to some of the use cases earlier. I think we've got some cool projects that we can talk through, but I think there's probably a few more bits of maybe the structure that you wanted to run through, okay, Will, yeah. before we get into cool. the, the fancy smancy use cases. Can yeah. do if you want, JK. I'll bring out a use case as I'm talking through them. Cool. Around personalized medicine. Yeah, that's a good one. That's, that's one of the best applications for it, yeah. Yeah, and it's quite interesting as well, just the amount of grunt and data it takes yeah, to process stuff around mm. genome sequencing getting you towards personalized medicine if you took the if you took the lid off <laughs> hpc high performance computer you actually there's a lot of bits in it that are just recognized um that you would get in mm. your computer that's under your desk now or, or in your laptop so you there's a process there's central processing yeah so your laptop or desktop three gigahertz processor it's about three mm. billion calculations per second uh, while that is much faster than uh, believe it or not you or I can achieve, it pales, it pales into comparison with HP solutions that can perform quadrillion, quadrillion, if that's a word, calculations per second. Memory is important as it is with every server and desktop. GPUs are important because they're important now with a whole host of use cases. And we've touched on this in terms of blockchain, in terms of cryptocurrency, mining, and machine learning, yeah, exactly. There's, there's so many, as well as obviously, you know, vector processing within within games. Um, but in 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 the definition of a HPC, GPU is in the in terms of its components. Storage, yeah. So it's all sort of memory based storage, right? So it's not like mechanical hard drives that really have gone out of vogue for a few years now. They're all memory-based storage because they're super quick to access data. And we're going from giga scale, so gigabyte scale, into peta scale. Not sure how yeah. many zeros there are. <laughs> you know, someone could Google that, but there's a lot. There's a lot of zeros in peta scale. Um, if you think about the use case, right, of genome sequencing, it's now you're now talking about this is the kind of data you're now talking about four to eight terabytes of data, you know, every 24 hours. So that's that's the that's molecular data mm. it's storing that comes out of a sequencer, a machine that does the genomes per person per person. That's a three billion piece puzzle, you know, the genome per human, and they're doing a thousand mm. genomes per week at four to eight tera, right? So nice. you get the idea. There's lots of data. You you got spe- then you start getting into specialized bits and bobs. So you got a specialized hardware, you got specialized software, you got you got even specialized algorithms, right? So algorithms tailored mm. towards the use case, tailored towards genome sequences. That's special for HPC as well. There is things are written and things are specialized to do with the use case, to do with genome sequences. There'll be frameworks 
embedded within G- GPUs. And NVIDIA do this, yeah, for that industry. They embed algorithms and, and frameworks within their hardware to, to do specialized computations for those particular use cases. So a gigabyte is 10 to the power of nine. So there's nine zeros, and a petabyte is 10 to the power of 15. So you've got six more zeros <laughs> in a petabyte. So it's, it's, it's a lot big, and it skips straight over Terra, obviously. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely massive order of magnitude shift. Sorry, I couldn't resist Googling that. I just had to. I thought you had it off the top of your head. I thought you just knew that. Uh, you, you know me too well. I, play, I wanted you to. I knew you could. <laughs> well, I didn't want to get it wrong because I'd look like a right idiot, and then someone's going to write in, aren't they, and go, actually... <laughs> So, so it undoubtedly call us up, yeah. But, but what's special about HPC these days as well is that it's being commoditized, right? So it's not like a supercomputer that only the richest countries and the richest companies can use. Mm. It's being commoditized so that actually, I don't know about you and I, but in terms of regular companies, regular yeah. countries can start making use of this, which is brilliant, right? Because once you start involving lots more people, you start discovering lots more things. There's a couple of things I just wanted to cover off quickly, and then I want to get into JK's question, which was what can we actually use it for? Because that's quite interesting. So that's a really good rundown of, of sort of the, the history and, and bits and pieces. I think one thing to emphasize with this is that it isn't entirely cloud-based usually, or it often isn't, is it? There's often an on-premises component to, high, to true HPC, particularly with things like genome sequences and stuff like that. You can't really, because of the sheer amount of bandwidth you'd need to shift it all out into the cloud and then bring it all back in again. Typically, some of it in the most streamlined high-performance computing applications tends mm. to buck the trend of shoving everything out to the cloud, which is which is interesting yeah. because it's it's quite non-trendy, but but actually it is by far the most efficient way to do things like genome sequencing and stuff is to have a big machine in your mm. you know in your office or whatever and plug it in because it's just such an absolute ball ache to shift that amount of data that quickly into the cloud. The cloud could do it if you gave it to it, but if you want it quickly, you've got that whole push it up to the cloud and then bring it back down again, which is going to take forever. So a lot of HPC, particularly hybrid cloud HPC solutions, use a mixture of the two bits potentially, which is interesting, really yeah, interesting. Yeah, and and I think it, it is interesting because, as you say, it bucks the trend of, like, let, quick, let's shift everything to the cloud. Actually, there are lots of use cases where dedicated stacks that you'll consume, but, but you can consume it in different mm. ways, right? So HP, Dell, NVIDIA are big in this area in terms of producing dedicated technology for HPC, which you can sort of get out of the box, and they will give you the framework of how you do that, right? But you can consume it as a service, which they will host as well. Yeah, which is, do you know what I mean? So it is quite accessible. And then you've got the, the, the sort of the main cloud vendors around Amazon and Microsoft who do a bit of a marketing spiel, (laughs) I think, on it. Controversial. they talk about it a lot. They talk about it a lot and they've got lots of pages dedicated to it. But under the hood, actually, it's still it's cloud. made up of commoditized bits and bobs that you can get. It, all right, it'll be a really big virtual machine, EC2 or whatever. It'll be really high bandwidth. It'll be really fast storage. But it's still stuff that you can get anyway. Do you know what I mean? It's not. There's no special yeah, algorithms. It's not no special true. Source that makes it's it just basically amazing. buying the biggest and whizziest servers that they've got, rather than it being a dedicated HPC solution that's built to that spec, isn't it? Really, um, or potentially anyway. I'm guessing all of this is uh, very expensive to power and probably difficult to make it eco-friendly. Well, it is at first. Or? That's the interesting thing, but. But take genome sequencing, for example. So with genome sequencing, when they first did it, it cost 
I can't even remember. Um, it, but it was like billions or something, and it took took forever. Billion dollars. I mean, absolutely forever. You know, supreme mm. effort of mankind to achieve that. Absolute, unbelievable. You know, incredible milestone. Now, absolutely routine and quite cheap in comparison. Doesn't cost anything like that to do now because. As I said, people have been able to gain to get the efficiency into the HPC architecture there, to get the algorithm so tuned to the point where now mm. you can do it with less overall grunt, effectively, way more efficiently, way more cheaply, way more quickly, and in a way more green way by having a dedicated genome sequencer. So this stuff, when you're you're trailblazing, yeah, it can be pretty pretty gnarly. But when you're doing it as a routine application for HPC, it can become extremely efficient. You're doing so much more, right? You're doing so much more for so much less yeah. energy, mm. I would say. That's that's what this affords you. It's not, I suppose it's different to like blockchain and Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies, which which just involve a huge amount yeah, of energy. Brute force. In order to in order to right, mine yeah. stuff, mm. so you're not really doing a lot more, yeah. So it's do you know what I mean? You can look at it in slightly different way. Yes, it's going to take a lot of energy for HPC because they're hugely powerful things. Yeah, but the power can be translated mm. to actually quite a lot of work, quite a lot of output. That if you did it one by one, would would be hugely more inefficient. If you yeah. see what I mean. And would you say that HPC is where it needs to be or is it just the start of it becoming a more wider utilized commodity It'd be great if it came much more commoditized i wouldn't be surprised if if the cloud vendors start shipping out commoditized the commodity the special sources commodities yeah. if you see what i mean hmm. i mean sort of at, at nvidia hp dell are sort of there but they just haven't got the cloud coverage hmm. of amazon so that would be i think that would be good um, or NVIDIA, HP, Dell may may make their services more accessible. They're pretty accessible now. They may make it. But yeah, I think there's definitely a future. And they can eventually become non-reliant on companies like Amazon then. Well, I don't know Dell, HP. That's a very good question. I don't know if Dell, HP, and NVIDIA. So AstraZeneca make use of, interestingly, make use of HPC stuff on, on Amazon. Um, but that would be fairly yeah. commoditized. Whether Dell, HP, and NVIDIA make use under the hood hmm. do you know what i mean yeah amazon and microsoft i'm sure they do for some of their stuff but also i think they've got specialized hardware and specialized software that they they host themselves yeah. or they give to a company or not give but do you know what i mean a company buy, <laughs> if only they would give the company buys that hardware based off their patterns based off their frameworks we are a little short on time sorry to cut you off if you had another question jk i think it's important that we just cover off some no, of the things that are, it's being used for at the moment because there are some really great projects out there and they don't get an awful lot of publicity. So one that I found that is is really cool use of HPC is based uh, perhaps somewhat unsurprisingly in Stanford University in California, which is called the CyberHeart. Um, have any either of you guys heard of the CyberHeart? It's quite a cool project. No, no. Is it like Tinder? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's a good name for like a sci-fi novel or something, though, I think. I might, <laughs> I might write one called The Cyber Heart. Anyway, whatever. So basically, for this project, researchers, um, they, they used HPC to create a virtual, ultra-precise digital model of the human heart. And it is so precise, mm. this thing, that it lets researchers test not only surgical procedures for like cardiovascular implants or whatever, you know, that they're, they're trying to pioneer, and then accurately have the this model of a heart respond, but it's so precise that it can t- it can test 
new drugs and how they will affect the molecular biology of the heart, of the heart muscle. And so it's been used to test out everything from different and radical approaches to inserting increasingly miniaturized pacemakers to the FDA Mm. over in America uh, using it for actual drug trials. And while a trial on, on humans can obviously last months or years because you've got to ethically, you know, this and safety that and mm. whatever you can't really can't kill, kill people. people you know it's mm. frowned on those trials could last months or years but with this digital model of the heart you can ferret out potential drugs and um, that pose for example a risk of arrhythmia which is a huge problem with drugs that act on the heart you know creating a, an unstable rhythm in mm. as little as sort of about 40 hours for a particular drug you can be sure it's not got carrying an arrhythmia risk which is just what i mean that, that yeah that blows my mind i get excited about that's stuff like great. that that's super cool would that replace I don't know if you know, but you should. Would that, would that replace human actual human trials? Uh, it, yeah, I mean, aspects of actual human trials, sure. I mean, I think you're always going to have to have okay. I wonder if it was something, just... aren't you? Because, yeah, that's I mean, my question, it's I like, mm. you know, even the most auto- awesome DevOps automated process, at some point there probably needs to be a human just, you know, ticking something off to say, yeah, that's working or whatever. Otherwise it could run out of control. But, but yeah, uh, in theory it could. I mean, there's all sorts of, but it becomes a lesser, There's all sorts of medical yeah. applications for this. There's stuff like in Texas, they're looking at whether cancer is literally written into our DNA. So can they, you know, can they, through genomics data and HPC, literally start to sort of predict a couple of generations in advance or whatever, whether someone's going to get cancer, which is just incredible. Mm. There's there's oh, some ethical yeah, questions. There's there, genetic there? Yeah. medicine. Well, I'd, I'm not sure if they're actually saying like you shouldn't have kids because they'll get cancer or something. It's not that kind of thing, but it's it's basically looking at every different facet of, of cancer and genomics and, and working out what, you know, what people's risks are. Technology comes first, doesn't it? Technology comes first, <laughs> Maybe, then yeah. the ethics. <laughs> In America. As you said, genetic medicine, but also to, to veer away from medicine for a minute, some of the most, the coolest things that have been done with it to date are actually not in the area of medicine. So people get caught up on medicine a lot, but for example, Boeing, when they were developing the, the 787 Boeing aircraft, the Boeing 787, they basically used this to analyze fuel efficiency. So obviously this is good for the planet, right? Because it, it stops mm. us from burning so much aviation fuel, which is very nasty stuff. They ran these this huge optimization pass across the design using an HPC cluster, even though at the time HPC wasn't a a very mainstream concept, but they sort of cobbled it together Mm. on the fly. So they wrote all their own sort of algorithms and bits of objects. It's exceptionally cool. They just sort of took leftover computer resources that weren't being used across the engineering department, which obviously has ridiculous compute because obviously they're doing all sorts of stuff for for airframes and what have you, Mm. and sort of used it at the weekend and at night to run this thing. And the end result was that they shaved over 200 pounds of metal effectively off the 787, saved Boeing more than $200 million. But as a result of the uh, improvisation, they basically ended up increasing the fuel efficiency of the aircraft because if you, you've got a lighter aircraft, you don't need to burn so much fuel to shove it through the sky. And they were so successful in doing this off the cuff that they've now created a new business venture, which is called Rescale, which was founded in 2011, mm. which is seeking to do exactly this kind of stuff across other engineering disciplines, I think. So that's cool. That's one of the earliest examples mm. of HPC mm. being used to have a positive environmental impact, but also positively impact the design of... Do you know when that was? Well, it was before 2011, because they founded this new company called Rescale in 2011. Okay. okay. They left Boeing and well, went I'm, off to do it I'm... for other people. But, but yeah, so amazing, amazing use case. Yeah, very cool. 
Another green one I found, US Department of Energy, skirts for trucks. So American big big rigs, what? you know, the massive, great chrome-covered, oh, yeah. you know, gas-guzzling, huge, great trucks that they send whizzing across the states on their massive highways. They did an HPC project to work out where the most areas of preventable drag were on these massive, great articulated lorries and worked out that if they put skirts, so big air deflectors, in the gap between the tractor unit that's pulling the trailer along and the wheels at the back of the trailer, they would make them massively more efficient because obviously the airflow is is so much less dirty if you've got streamlined thing. But these devices have now been rolled out and they are re- they are estimated to save about five thousand dollars worth of fuel per truck per year. God, and it stops killing cyclists. Does it? <laughs> you know that you know trucks in the UK have got they've got sort of side skirts now in London as well in mm. London mostly. With the big cyclist warning sign, I don't know if that means like stay clear or actually you're not going to die because we've got this skirt here. But they were there to they were there to stop cyclists falling under the trucks and being um, splattered. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. given given the way most cyclists seem to ride in London that I encounter, I'm sure they'll find a way of getting around it and still get. Maybe I'm just bitter because someone nearly ran me over the other day on a bicycle. Well, they were on a bicycle, I was on foot while I was, the green man was like flashing away at me saying, yeah, yeah you're fine to go. And, and this guy literally nearly mowed me down. Uh, anyway, whatever. So right. uh, yeah, closing thoughts, guys, on HPC. I think I'm surprised at the different areas in which it's been used already and the fact that it could become a more commoditized asset in the future is quite exciting, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to become the last bastion of on-prem stuff, you know, the last the last reason why you would have something on the actually in your in your premises because of that thing I mentioned about shunting the data up and down. But yeah, it's fascinating. And quite rightly, I suppose I suppose the only thing you should have on prem is those things that are really special to you that add yeah. that add value. Mm. The rest you just outsource. Indeed, good debate. I really enjoyed that. Thanks, guys. We'll go on to the recos section yeah, just quickly. Excellent. Finish off the show if we may. So, Jatinda, do you want to go first this week with your recommendation? Yeah, my recommendation is my new DDK Surface Four laptop. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been really impressed with it. It's the fifteen-inch screen. Just aesthetically, it's really, really nice. It's not too heavy. It's comfortable to use. The keyboard is really nice and it's well laid out. It's not too small or too big. And I just think that it's a really nice, glossy piece of kit that makes me, fits my image quite well in terms of being a very kind of... Do you like your bling? Yeah, I do. It goes with your big signet <laughs> things and your... Your wraparound gold sunglasses. <laughs> your, your, your crucifix. Uh, Mr. T. <laughs> what I love though is that... Just, if either of us them. put the stuff that Jatinda wears on, we would look absolutely absurd. <laughs> but because it's Jatinda, he just carries it <laughs> off perfectly. I often, I often dress like Jatinda. You wish. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sure it. you can. You can cover it in quite the same way. You don't have the hair. Oh, definitely not. Yeah, good. I, I, I enjoyed the brief go I had when I built that laptop up for you. I, I yeah, I thought it was awesome. Yeah, really nice. It seems mm. that they've evolved their materials and everything else from the Surface Book Two that I've gotten. They've gotten even better. Those magnesium alloy chassis, they've got a lovely because they don't flex like so many yeah. metal laptops you pick up and they're like bendy like a noodle. But yeah, they're really good. I really like them. Some people are... D- Bend it like Beckham. Maybe. Yeah, some people are down on Surface devices, but my experiences with them have been really good so far. So yeah, a beefy specs as well, but they are expensive. That's the only thing. They're, they're a bit on the pricey side. Mm. They are, yeah. But yeah. Will, did you want to go next with your recommendation? Oh, go on then. Um, so you know, you know, 
we had an agreement not to talk about sensitive subjects like religion. Yeah, which which still stands. Yeah, okay, good. So I'm going to talk about religion. Okay. <laughs> um, so I'm not known for my religious beliefs. <laughs> and, it, and if anything, I haven't had a real positive view towards it. So it might come as a I'm bit slightly concerned to as to where you're going with this now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It might cause, and I'm going to try not to offend a vast amount of people. We don't want to get cancelled, Will. Because <laughs> I know one of those uh, religions is one of those subjects, right? But a Christian blogger, other religions flavours are on offer, by the way, who publishes articles in medium.com. And his name is Dan Foster. He's from an organisation, congregation, group, not, not sure what a collection of Christians is called, mm. known as the Backyard Church. He focuses on something called Christian deconstruction and is against the extreme views that are underpinned by some religious beliefs. I'm not going to go into, into, into who or why. Terms like that come out of this guy's wicked, evil, false teacher, blasphemer, hmm. crucify him. These are some of the comments received. But he, he, what I found interesting about this, this chat is he has me reading stuff about Christian views and religion hmm. because of the way he writes, the way he's very inclusive, the way he's very down-to-earth, very, very pragmatic, the way he's very modern thinking. Something I never thought I'd do. So that's Dan Foster, Backyard Church. You can follow him on medium.com. Awesome. Sounds interesting. I'll go and check him out, I think. Also, that could not really have been a better segue in many ways for my recommendation, which is also (laughs) massively about religion or heavily involves religion. So I'm going to recommend a Netflix show called Midnight Mass. Either of you guys come across this? So Midnight Mass is uh, it's the third series, I think, that a guy called Mike Flanagan has done for Netflix. Um, so he also did The Haunting of Hill House, which I, I massively recommend. That was a really good mm-hmm. series. And The mm-hmm. Haunting of mm-hmm. Bly Manor as well. He may have done another thing, I'm not sure. But anyway, he's also married to the lead act- one of the lead actresses who's in all three of those series called um, Kate Siegel plays a character in this show as well and is terrific. All the show, all the performances in this are absolutely terrific. So... Essentially, setting is a very small island off the coast of America somewhere. It's all a bit kind of New England-ish. It's a fishing town Mm. that's on this island, very small population indeed, and they've hit really hard times. So there was an oil spill that's alluded to. It's not really dwelled on, but there was, and it devastated their income, their fishing village. Lots of people have moved away from the island. And we pick up the story as a guy who went off to the mainland to make his fortune and then very unfortunately was involved in a drunk driving accident. He was drunk and he killed an innocent young woman, went to prison and then comes back to the island because he's got nowhere else to go and his family are still there. And at the same time as he comes back, also the, a new priest arrives on the island and the island is very, very religious. So they're, they're very heavily Catholic, the community there. Although interestingly, they do do some quite cool stuff with that where they have Raul Kohli playing a Muslim sheriff who arri- who's also on the island as well and is subject to some pretty horrible, hidden behind a, a veneer of civility, sort of racism and bigotry and all sorts of stuff. So there's some quite cool stuff in there and it isn't too heavy handed. Anyway, this uh, this mm. priest turns up on the island who is a replacement for their elderly priest who went off on a pilgrimage. He's been sent apparently by the, the church. He arrives on the island and he begins performing miracles. And they are genuine miracles. Like he, he starts healing the sick and, and doing things that just, he sh- you know, no one should be able to do. And there mm. is a supernatural element to this series. I'm not spoiling anything by saying that. Saying that. And you will pro- the only criticism I have of it really is that you'll probably guess what it is very early on if you're at all familiar with kind of pop culture 
and stuff. But basically, it centers around this isolated island community where this priest is working miracles somehow. And the question is, what is going on? You know, how is he able to do these things? Is he Jesus? No. I'm not going to, I could spoil it, but I don't think I should because it's just, (laughs) but very, very quickly, you will probably figure out what's going on, bearing in mind this guy's. Does he have a HPC on him? (laughs) (laughs) No. It's not that. So, but yeah, it's 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 Sounds very good. well written. It has a lot of the same Mike Flanagan things yeah, going on good. in it. Yeah. Um, that, so quite long monologues musing on life and death and bits and pieces, which he's quite famous for now. And the, the, it's a bit slow to get going, but by the time you get to the finale, it's it's pretty awesome. And once all is revealed, it then is is quite unafraid to commit. Let's put it that way. Mm. No, nobody is safe. Nothing is safe. You know, it's, it's just, it goes a bit crazy. Unfortunately, there are spoilers for this absolutely everywhere. And even the image that Netflix have chosen to, to promote it with is a spoiler in some ways, which I'm really mm. like, I can't believe they keep doing this because they did it with another film I watched a little while ago where they just literally put a picture of like the, the twist up. Is he a, is he a zombie? No. I'm not going to say anymore because I don't want to spoil it. If you want, we can do the, you know, the outtakes. We can do, we can talk in just a second. I'll spoil it if you really want me to. But, but no. So Midnight Mass. No, don't. I don't want yeah, to. Yeah, you should. You really should. It. It's good. It's really, really good. But yeah, Midnight Mass. Very, very clever musings on religion and stuff all the way through. Really well done. Uh, excellent performances throughout. Available on Netflix. Be able to watch. I think cool. that is the show, cool. chaps. So uh, thank you very much. Enjoyed today's chat. Really interesting stuff. If you are also enjoying this, if you're out there, if you want to get in touch with us, please do. We'd love to hear from you. We are available on ddkpod at ddklimited.com. That's limited spelled out in full. So ddkpod at ddklimited.com. You can also hit us on Twitter. We are ddklimited or at ddklimited. And on LinkedIn, we are Dalton Day Candola. So give us a search there. Yeah, write in by all means. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks very much, chaps. We will see everybody again in a few weeks' time. See ya. Thank you. JK, that question about quantum and HPC, that was a blinder. That was a great question, wasn't it? Really good. It sounded very similar. I was like, yes, no, uh, maybe. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it, it was a great question. Yeah. Uh, good one.